This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. All right, let's turn our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And this is week number 4 of a series that we have been talking about King David. And uh, so far in this series, we, we talked about the call, that how David was called to be king. We went through uh, some of the historical background of how Israel got to have a king. I won't lay that foundation again. If you have missed any of the messages, you can go back and catch them online or on our church app. Um, so we talked about that call. And then the second week, we talked about David and Goliath. We talked about... Um, that sometimes our, our challenges are our greatest opportunity. And so we went through the story of David and Goliath in the second week. And then last week we talked about David and Jonathan and the friendship between David and Jonathan. So as we've said in previous weeks, uh, when we go through the Old Testament, we're, our, our greatest understanding, obviously, of who God is, is by looking at Jesus. But when we look at the Old Testament, we can learn lots of things. And the New Testament talks about and teaches us how to read the Old Testament. And we can see this here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 says this. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, talking about the Old Testament, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So verse 15 tells us as we go back and look at the Old Testament, we're actually supposed to grow our faith in Jesus. So our series on David is not so we'll have greater faith in David. We're supposed to look at David as a type of Christ. That David is the type of Christ. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Savior, of who the Messiah actually is. So we go back and we look at the Old Testament, and all of the Old Testament is pointing us towards Jesus. So we look at the Old Testament to have greater faith uh, in Jesus. We don't complete our, our, our doctrinal picture by looking at the Old Testament uh, characters and stories. And, and then it says there that the Old Testament trains us. And part of what it trains us, as we look at Old Testament stories, it trains us what to do, and that it also trains us what not to do, things to avoid, things to, uh, as we look at David's life, things that he was successful at, and then the other things he failed horribly. So as we look at his life, we want to repeat those things that he did well, and then we want to avoid uh, the pitfalls that he experienced in his life. And then we'll look here at Acts chapter 13, another New Testament verse about David. Verse 36 says, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. And I would say, and I'm trying to say in this series, that this verse is also true of you. This verse is true of us. That we want to serve the purposes of God in our generation. You weren't born at the wrong time. You were born at the right time. And God has his purpose for your life in this time. And so this should be the desire for all of us. If we say we are a Christ follower, we should want to serve the purposes of God in this generation. What is it that I can do for you and your kingdom, God, now? 
Because that's what David did. That's what David, David was famous for. And, you know, it's, as, as they think about David and as they look and discuss David in the Gospels, it was kind of the glory time of Israel, the glory time of the kings uh, in the Old Testament. And David was what? Famous for serving the purposes of God in his generation. And then we have that same purpose in our generation. So we're going to continue on talking about David. Uh, so as we, as we mentioned last week, David and Jonathan were covenant friends. And then, as I mentioned at the end of last week, that Jonathan and his father Saul, who was the first king of Israel, they died on the same day. And uh, it was kind of a hard time uh, for David, even though that Saul had been trying to kill him, David still wanted to honor Saul. Um, and then Jonathan, who was his friend or his best friend, died on the same day as his father. And as we look at David's life, after this time when um, Saul and Jonathan died, it says, soon after that, it says, David lamented a lamentation. And we don't usually wor- use the word lamentation very much, or we don't use the word lament very much. Um, and as we think about David and who he is and some of the things that he is famous for this idea of sort of expressing his feelings that in the book of psalms there's lots of songs or poems that david wrote that we have record of and that we can see sort of the emotional journey um, that david went on as he lived his life we have this benefit of having those psalms written so david is kind of interesting in this way That he is, we know he's famous for being a warrior. He's famous for defeating Goliath and David and his mighty men where they're famous for fighting wars. But then also David, as we mentioned earlier, was a a harp player. He was a a musician. He was a poet. So it's kind of an an unusual combination. And then as we follow on David's life, uh, they're bringing back the the Ark of the Covenant um, to Bethlehem to put the Ark of the Ark of the Covenant, you know, Raider the Lost Ark, that Ark um, representing the the presence of God. They're bringing back the Ark uh, to a tent that David had set up, and you know they had some bad experiences. You know, somebody touched the Ark and died, and then they were all nervous about moving the Ark anymore. And then the Ark is when someone's house is, house for a while, and the presence of God was there, and this person's house was. Um, getting blessed and then when they were over the fear of moving the ark again they were able to move the ark to the city of david and then it tells us the story that david went out in front of the ark and he had a bunch of musicians out there and then david danced and he danced naked we can't show you video of that this morning in church um but david danced as they were bringing back the ark representing the presence of god so David is kind of this really interesting guy. He's a warrior. He, he fights battles and he's, he's really tough in one sense. And then he's also a harp player and he's a poet and he writes songs and he writes psalms and, and just kind of a, an interesting look on who David is. Now, I don't know if you've ever done any um, study of brain science or learned anything along these lines. My wife uh, has taught me a few things about this. And we kind of have people in life, and it's kind of big, broad strokes, some people who have left-brain-dominated personalities and people who have right-brain-dominated personalities. Let me explain to you some of these differences. Now, somebody who is left-brain, more left-brain-dominated, is said to be more logical, analytical. Um, Someone who's uh, left-brain would be Uh, They would be focused on mathematics. That would be a strength for them. That they like facts and computation and they have linear thinking and they think sequentially. 
Now, someone who's right-brained is a little bit more creative. Someone who uh, thinks in life more, uh, has an intuition about life, thinks um, imagination, arts, feelings. They're a daydreamer. They visualize things. Now, um, I would tend to be more of a left-brain person, someone who's logical, someone who analyzes things. I like, I count things, mathematics, facts, uh, linear thinking. I'm computing things all the time. And my wife is a right-brain person. She is artistic, and she is creative, and she has intuition about things, and she feels things deeply. So somehow, between the two of us, we have one brain. Um, I have the left side, and she has the right side. Now, how many of you in here would think of yourself more as a left-brain person, somebody who's more logical, analytical, mathematics, facts, not so much feelings? How many of you would be the other side, that you would think more artistic? You're thinking color and how it feels and how this makes, how does this room make me feel today? And I'm thinking, I don't care how it makes you feel. I just want to know how much it costs to set up the room. <laughs> so once again, let's see it again. Left brain, logical, mathematics, analytical, the right brain people, the creative, the artist. Now see, it's about 50-50. Now the logical side of me says, let's count and prove it out. And the right brain is, hey, it feels like, it just feels like it's about half and half. (laughs) But see, in David, we actually see this balance. That he is this really tough guy, and he's he's making battle plans, and he's doing this and doing that. And the other time, he's like, you know, he's playing music, and and he's sort of feeling his way through life, and he's writing poems. I can't say that I've ever had a desire to write a poem in my life. I mean, I think I wrote a poem in grade eight because I had to for English class, and I think I, you know, plagiarized half of it, but because it's just not my thing. I mean, it's just not what I do. It's not how I operate in life, um, and, and, and sometimes we could, depending on who we are, we could despise the other people. You know, if, we're, if we are who I am, mathematical, logical, analytical, and anybody is feeling anything, I'm kind of like, can we just stop with the feelings? We don't need to feel anything right now. Let's just figure it out. And then if you are the more the creative, the imaginative, you know, the, the feeling type person, you're like, you're so mad at the people who are counting everything and thinking about everything in mathematical terms. But you know what? We need everybody. We need this. Otherwise, life would be very boring either way. If we were all creatives, nothing would ever get done. And if we were all, <laughs> if we were all who I am, everything would be just black and white and it would be very boring. Um, and so we need, we need all of us. And then so as we look at David, we, he has this real big part of his personality. He's kind of a right brain guy as well as being this warrior. That he is, goes on this emotional journey um, that we see in the book of Psalms. So we're going we're gonna to have right brain Sunday here at the city church. For all of you, I'm going to try my best to get in the right side of my brain, the hemisphere. I mean, really, my wife should be doing this so we could all feel it properly this morning. But we're going to have uh, Right Brain Artistic Sunday. It's going to be hard. At the City Church today. We're going to go through this emotional journey with David with some of these psalms and these poems or songs that he wrote um, in his life. Now, when we think about emotions, all of us, right brain and left brain people, all of us are going to 
have an emotional journey in life. We are going to feel things, even if we are uh, somebody like me who's more analytical or mathematical. I still, I still feel things and I go through times of difficulty with my emotions. And all of us are going to have highs and lows with our emotions. Wouldn't you agree? Regardless of whatever uh, right or left brain that we're going to have emotional things in our life. Some exciting things, some happy times, and then the complete opposite. We're going to have some really terrible things happen in our life, some really difficult times, and it's going to hit our emotions really, really hard. Now, and we could all, if we're honest with ourselves, uh, we, when we've gone through these emotional times, sometimes we've handled these things uh, well, and then sometimes we haven't handled these things well. Could anyone agree with that? When we, something happens to us emotionally, um, it, it can be really difficult to handle. And we can go through very difficult emotional times. And as I've described to you um, many times, you know, growing up in church and being a PK, um, as it relates to church, a lot of times I've gone through a real journey um, as it relates to just being a part of church and, and all that goes along with it, all that goes along with the PK. And sometimes I've handled that really well, and just some, sometimes I really haven't handled it well at all. Uh, you know, when I was younger... Um, and my dad would preach, you know, people would come to me after the service and, and give me a Nielsen rating of his sermon. Like, and I didn't actually care. I didn't want to know what they thought about my dad's sermon. And so a lot of times people would come to me, you know, with this, you know, really saccharine, uh, pseudo-spiritual compliments about my dad. Oh, you know, your dad was just so anointed this morning. And generally speaking, they, they would have no sense of personal space. And they would get way too close to me. And they would want to express to me how wonderful my dad's sermon was. So I formulated something that I called a Bible drop. And let me just explain to you what a Bible drop is. And I, would, I never actually did one. I, I wanted to multiple times. And I described it like this to my family. That sometimes if anybody came to me after church with one of these, you know, ratings of my dad's sermons or came up to me with something as it related to the church or whatever that I didn't really want to hear, I created this something in my mind that I, I daydreamed about. So maybe I have a little bit of right brain in me. That I daydreamed about doing a Bible drop. And what a Bible drop is when, you know, any of the weird people came up to me in church. Any, there's weird people in church, I'm just telling you. So... Any of the weird people will come to me in church after church and try to give me a Nielsen rating of my dad's sermon or whatever else. I would do a Bible drop. And here's what a Bible drop is. So as they're telling me their thing that I don't actually want to hear, about halfway through I would just drop my Bible. And I'd look around a little bit and they would bend over to get my Bible. And I would be like, bam! <laughs> I walk away. Now I never actually did it. But I daydreamed it a couple times. Now that's one of those seasons in my life where I didn't handle things so well emotionally. I was struggling with being a PK and being at church and all these different things. And if we're all admitted, we struggle at different times depending on the emotional stuff that was coming our way. And that we can be, at times, we can be um, in such an emotional fog. And, and if you've ever been in an emotional fog and, and you've come out of that fog, you can look back at, at that season of your life and, and think something about how you acted or reacted. And, uh, you know, we're going to go through these things. And there's just, we, 
and if, I'm not saying we shouldn't feel these things, but how we process through our emotions is so important. Because we can get in a really negative place sometime. Could anyone agree that you've gotten in a really bad place sometime with your emotions? And it's almost like, what is that character in, in Peanuts that has the cloud? Because he like, is it uh, Pigpen? So he, he walks around, there's like a cloud around him. And that's sometimes what our emotions are like. And people can see it all over you walking around with a cloud uh, of just sort of negativity. And when we get sometimes an emotional state, you all know or you've had a friend or you've been the friend who's with the wrong person and everybody can see it but them. Do you know what I'm saying? And they're like, oh, you know, I, I, saw, him, uh, I saw him on social media with another girl, but it's okay. It's not a big deal. And everybody else is like, what are you talking about? He's cheating on you. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. And like they're in a cloud. They're in the pig pen cloud of emotions. They can't see real life. They can't see what's going on. And we all need good friends to help us through these times when we're in these, this cloud, this emotional cloud that's surrounding us, sometimes justifiably. But we all need good friends to help us through those times, to help us to not, because they don't actually feel what we're feeling. And sometimes emotions are terrible decision makers. Have you ever made a decision in an emotional state and then afterwards you just totally regret it just because you were like super emotional, something happened and so this, you felt this and you felt this and you felt this, and then you made a decision based on your feelings. And if we're in that cloud, we've got to be honest with ourselves and we need then good friends to help us through those times because the friend is outside of the cloud. The, the friend is outside of the experience and they can walk along with you and they can help you. Like, I, I know you're feeling that now, but you're not always going to feel that. I know it's a difficult time right now and you're going through this and you're going through this, but you know, don't do anything rash. Don't do anything crazy right now. Because you just got, you're just in this emotional state. And we've all handled this well, and we've all handled this not so well. And this is true of David. As we go through and look at some of these psalms today, these, these poems, um, these experiences that he had, that we can see sometimes he handled it well, and he focused on the right things, and then other times, you know, he struggled as we would all do. Now, as we look at the Psalms, we would see in the Psalms, we would see, once again, not something we do generally. It's not necessarily how we sing at church, but we see lament. It's, it's, and lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. David felt this when um, Saul and, and Jonathan died on the same day. And it says, David lamented a lament. And what was an, a passionate expression of grief or sorrow? And this is part of life. We are going to go through these times of sorrow and difficulty. In the book of Psalms, we see rejoicing, an expression of gladness, something more we're used to singing about here at church. Uh, praising, magnifying God's greatness, worship, a lowering of self and lifting up of God. And these are themes that we see all through the book of Psalms. So as we um, see these things, we're going to go... I, I was reading through um, a bunch of these Psalms. I, I, was, I was trying to locate all of David's psalms, and there's over 30 of them, and I was just reading them through one by one, so I, I would share some of them uh, with you this morning. And then as I was reading um, one of these psalms, something came to mind. I'm going to show you a video here in a second, so guys, you can get ready with that video. Um, now, um, potentially this video could offend somebody, but I don't mean it to be offensive. I mean, 
just from church experience. This, I'm going to show you a song, all right? And it's not traditionally a Christian band, even though that I think these people are Christians, but they're, they might not be Christians like you. Um, but, uh, and they sing in their concert, as I was reading through um, Psalm 40, there's this famous band, very famous band, and I think it's one of the best bands ever. They sing um, a part of Psalm 40 in their concerts. Would you like to hear it? I know some of you are nervous because I said you might be offended. But it's, it's really, it's okay. It's not, they're going to sing the Bible to you in a second here. Um, and we, we couldn't afford to have them here this morning, so we just, we just ripped a video off of YouTube, and we're going to watch this together this morning, Psalm 40. So this is our first artistic moment. Beautiful city. Some of you were just, hey, let's just keep watching YouTube for the rest of the service. And then others of you couldn't wait for it to end. And that's what art is like. I'm the type of person, if you ever go with me, which is very unlikely, to like an art gallery or something, and like people are like staring at something and they're like getting something, I'm like, seriously? It's, I don't see anything. And they're like having an emotional experience. Right-brainers, we need them, we love them. All right. Psalm 18. Let's read this together this morning and read a little bit of David's journey. As David goes, goes through this psalm, he's reminding himself about who God is, and this is part of what we need to do. See, when we, when we have emotional times, which, which we are and we need to, you know, when we think about... Um, sometimes religion will tell us to deny our emotions and almost pretend like we don't have emotions. And then culture will tell us that emotion is king, that whatever you're feeling is so, so important and it is so, so true and you don't want to deny, you don't want to even, you know, like my emotions, how I'm feeling is how everything is and we worship emotions almost. And then other times we could just stuff our emotions down. And pretend like we're not feeling that. And then it can sort of lead to two things. If we don't actually express our emotions, it can lead to depression. Or when we stuff down our emotions, it could lead to anger. We're feeling certain things and we're not sure what to do with our emotions. Then we just take it out on the, you know, the nearest person to me. And I think we've probably all 
done these things. Have you ever done that? Where you've felt something uh, and then you take it out on your loved ones and it wasn't actually your loved one's fault? Something happened at work or something happened on the road and then you come home and you were mad at, at the closest ones to you. And sometimes we just don't do well with our emotions. But what the scripture tells us to do, and as we see here what David does, is that he processes his emotions in times of prayer. And this is the greatest thing for us to do. When we're feeling things, when we're struggling with something, when we're uh, lamenting something, we're rejoicing or we're feeling praise and worship or, or through a frustrating time. That we don't want to vent on people and we don't want to stuff it down. Well, what should we do? Well, the scripture tells us to come to God in prayer. And that's what the book of Psalms is. And we can see these as David journeys through these emotions. Verse eight, uh, Psalm 18, verse 1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield. And the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompass me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol or hell entangle me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called on the Lord to my God. I cried for help from his temple. He heard my voice and my cry reached his ears. Now, can we see here the first thing that we can see? David is expressing his feelings, that he is feeling something and he's going through something. And the first thing that he starts out, he reminds himself about who God is. He reminds himself about God's strength and that he is a fortress and a deliverer, all these metaphors. And this is what we see uh, in poems, in poetry. There's a lot of uh, literary devices used that God isn't actually a fortress or a rock, but these are metaphors used to help us to understand who God is. And this is what someone who is a bright brainer would do, that they would express these things artistically and they would express their emotions in such a way that we could uh, gain something back from it. And so here David is expressing just this first thing about just that he loves God. And this is such a beautiful place for us to start in our relationship with God in our times of prayer. When we are at an emotional extreme, when we're either North Pole or South Pole or where we're, if we're somewhere in between. You know, the scripture talks about uh, Jesus said, they, they asked him, well, what's the greatest thing, Jesus? What's the greatest law in the Old Testament? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God. Loving God is a beautiful place to start. In our prayer time, whatever we're feeling high or low, up or down, that we would just start out with, God, I love you. I just love you. And then what did David do? He just recounted who God was. And this is a beautiful place to start in our prayer time, that God is our fortress, that he is our deliverer. He is my God. He's not just someone else's God. He's not just the famous preacher's God. He's not just so-and-so awesome Christian's God. He's actually my God. He's my rock. He's my refuge. He's my shield. He's worthy to be praised. It's a beautiful place to start wherever we are on our emotional scale. Psalm 19, another Psalm of David, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 
The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. I, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So at the first part of this psalm, this poem, David recounts about God's ways and how they're right and they're pure and they actually do then something for me. When I think about who God is and what he says, and when I think about his word, it actually trains me to think a certain way. And then he, he talks a little bit in his prayer time um, about stuff that he does wrong or, or sin in his life, struggles that he might be facing. You know, and here's something so important for us uh, in our prayer time, that we just need to be authentic. Do you know, uh, the scripture says, God does not regard vanity. Um, you can put on your, your best church look, your best church face, uh, whatever, you know, you grew up in church and you saw how people acted in church and maybe how religious people are supposed to act. And you understand that you can't take that to God in prayer, church culture face, whatever your church culture face is, and you're not going to impress God with it. Did you know that? You're, you're not going to come... Uh, to God in your, your best clothes, your worst clothes, and somehow God is going to think, oh my gosh, they really have their best clothes on. And then, oh my gosh, they don't actually care about clothes, and so I'm really going to listen to them now. Or whatever your church face, or wh however, uh, if you could quote King James English, because you grow up, you grew up reading the King James God is not going to turn to Jesus and be like, oh my gosh, they're speaking King James. Let's really listen in. Authenticity is so key in our prayer time. And this is what we're going to see as we continue reading some of these Psalms. Some of this stuff gets really, really raw. Why, why does it get raw? Because life is hard sometimes. We can get really emotional. And we're, we're going to face stuff. And so when we go to God in prayer, and this is why the scripture tells us that so much of our prayer should just be alone, so we're not tempted to put on airs, we're not tempted to act like we think the other Christians should think we should act to prove how spiritual we are, and this, a lot of our prayer should just be alone, because then we'll just put aside all of that stuff. We're just going to put aside all of what we think religion should look like. And just come to God and, and really pour out our heart. Uh, David wasn't hiding the fact that he was actually struggling with some sins in his life. Do you, do you understand that God knows that you sinned before you showed up to confess your sin? Did you know that? Like when you, hey God, I'm sorry. I didn't even know you did it. I just, I came, I just can't believe you said you did it. God knows. And what it takes on our behalf is just being genuine. 
So David recounted the laws of God and the goodness of God and the rightness of God. And then he discussed a little bit about his sin and his struggles and some of the things that he's going through. And then he finishes up, once again, focusing back on God. Psalm 22. So here David is starting to process some difficult times. Now listen to what he says. Maybe you can identify. All of us can at some time. Psalm 22, verse 14. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. That's just like a piece of broken pot. And my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. Listen, verse 16. For dog, it gets worse. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. Verse 17. I can count all my bones. And why does he keep saying this? In other words, everything aches. Everything aches. And this is where David is. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we've all been there. We've all been in the time like we think everybody's against us. Everything is against us. My, I mean, I just everything about me is just aching. Verse 18, they divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. And this is obviously uh, referring to Jesus as well. One of these prophecies about Jesus. Verse 19, but you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. I pray this with my dog sometime, my actual dog. Even though this is not talking about dogs, this is dogs is metaphor for people. But my dog drives me crazy sometimes. Sorry. We can just read things into the scripture any old way. Uh, verse 21. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me. From the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell you, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All of you offspring of Jacob, Jacob glorify him and stand in awe of him. All of you offspring of Israel. So where did David start out in his prayer time and in this poem and in this song? He started out in a really bad place. And then where did he end up? He kind of ended up in some praise. He ended up in, into a different place. And listen, all prayer is moving us towards praise. All prayer. Whether it's a difficult time that David's going through like this, which is obvious, is a real struggle that he's going through. That prayer is supposed to move us towards a time of praise. The, the book of Psalms is actually formulated like that. There's all these Psalms interwoven in there. And then the last five or six so Psalms is all just about worshiping God, lifting God up. And that's the way we need to think about. As we go through these emotional times, we should bring our genuine self to God. Whatever we're feeling, whatever we're going through. And then we can take David's advice and end up at a different place. Here's some more stuff that he's going through. Uh, Psalm 38, verse 17. It says, for I'm ready to fall and my pain is ever before me. I confess my iniquities. I'm sorry for my sin. 
But my foes are vigorous. They are mighty. And many are those who hate me wrongfully. Those who render me evil for good, accuse me of following after good. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. So you see David's struggle. He's feeling all these things and then he's not even sure if God's close. And once again, this is where our feelings, we feel these extreme feelings and sometimes we handle it well and sometimes we don't handle it well, but we should always process our feelings with God. Get in God's presence and talk these things through and, 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 and say where you're at and then God by his presence and by his spirit is going to move you somewhere else. And then here... We, one of the big struggles we would see here in Psalm 39. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of the fool. I am a mute. I do not open my, my mouth. For it is you who have done it. So now he's starting to blame God. Remove your stroke from me. I am, I am spent by the hostility of your hand. When you discipline a man... Uh, with rebukes for sin, you consume like a moth what is dear to him. Surely all mankind is a mere breath, selah, or that just means stop and think about that. So David is really in a bad place here in this psalm, in this poem. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give me, give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears, for I am a sojourner with you a guest like all my fathers look away from me that i may smile again before i depart and and am no more so here david is actually asking god to do something that god can't do he's and you know because david's in this place where he just thinks god is against him and he's like you know god just stop looking at me because if you're the one causing all this trouble in my life i want you to stop looking at me this he's in a really bad spot but when we when we go through and as i've been saying we don't get all of our doctrine from the old testament but we know as we look and think about the cross that god because jesus took our sin that he took our difficulties that god separated himself he turned his back on jesus so that he would never turn his back on you and me that, God, that Jesus took all of this punishment, Jesus took everything for us so that God couldn't actually answer this prayer. He's always going to be with you. In the emotional highs, in the times of rejoicing, in the emotional lows, he is going to be with you. Walking through with you. Psalm 126. Now we can see here in this psalm, the difficulties uh, start to turn around. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Now listen. This whole first part of the psalm is about, you know, rejoicing and we're laughing and we're excited. But I don't think the psalmist actually started there. Listen, verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. 
He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with them. What was the seed that turned then into joy? The seed that he's saying was actually tears. That they were sowing seeds of tears and then what does it become? It becomes joy. When we sow seeds of tears in our time with God, then he turns it around and he turns it into joy. But we all are going to have tears sometimes. And we all are, like David, going to lament a lament. But God is promising us with him when we sow tears of lament and sadness then he is turning that into joy on our behalf and this is why we process our emotions with God we just don't repress it and stick it down and become depressed we don't vent on all of our friends and relatives anger and frustration that we just come authentically genuinely to God who loves us and cares for us and will never turn his back on us no matter what we're feeling no matter what we're going through no matter what we're facing process it through with him Psalm 30 verse 8 we're almost done to you O Lord I cry and to the Lord I plead for mercy what profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me, O Lord, my helper. You have turned me from mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing with your praise. And not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. And I'm telling you, David's journey really helps us. This right brain portion of David's life that we get in the scripture, that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write down. So that we could see our lives reflected in the scripture. That our lives are not always a bed of roses. Everything isn't actually always easy. It's just really hard sometimes. And whether we're left brain or right brain, man, things are going to hit our emotions. And they're going to hit hard. And what are we going to do? Are we going to be left alone? Are we, are we left alone in our struggles? Are we left alone to process this life on our own? No, let's do what David the poet warrior did he took all of these things to God in prayer he took all of these things to God laying in his bed at night thinking about who God is thinking about how life is going and then thinking about who God is and then your life is going like this today and it's really a struggle today but then hey I'm remembering who God is and then here's what I'm feeling today, but then I'm also remembering who God is. Last verses here, Psalm 62, verse 5. For God alone 
O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Pour out your heart before him because God is a refuge. We're just going to pour out our heart to God. He alone. What does it say? He alone is my rock, my salvation, and my fortress. See, the things that happen to us to send our emotions on a roller coaster of life, which your life will be a roller coaster of emotions. So we don't put our faith in circumstances because circumstances will change. But God doesn't. God is a rock. He doesn't change. So that when my emotions are all over the place and when I'm tempted to be depressed and just just stuff my emotions down and I'm tempted just to be mad at my relatives and my friends because all the stuff that happened to me, I don't have to go through life that way. I can go and I can just bring all of who I am and all of what I'm feeling to God. All of it. He can handle it. He is strong. He is a fortress. Only from him does salvation come. Only from him is the one who can take us through these emotional highs and lows. Because we can't look to circumstances to be our strength and to our fortress. Because if anything we've learned that circumstances are what? We're like celebrating and then we're in the valley. And then we're celebrating and then we're in the valley. And then we're celebrating... That's not a rock. That's not steady. But faith in God, that's steady ground. Putting my trust in God for my today and for my eternity, man, that's steady ground. And David, the poet, warrior, is a great example to us how to handle these highs and these lows of the emotional life that we're living. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness today. We are so thankful for this. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.